is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, where to start? At the beginning, as they say. I want to go through this because this just shows you the cultural rot that's going on in this country. Why those of us who understand this country, understand why it was established, understand the principles for which it was established, revere it and love it. And those who don't, do not. You've got Chuck Todd on MSNBC yesterday. Chuck Todd is one of the biggest media types, media personalities in existence. And of course, as you know, he's the host of Meet the Press. And he replaced Tim Russert. So he's a very influential individual within that circle. Now I want you to listen to what he said. I don't know if this has been played by hosts or whatever. It doesn't matter. We're going to work on this. And he's on MSNBC yesterday. And this is how it goes. Cut three, go. And you don't understand just how freaked out some folks in the GOP and the White House are about what that means. Then you don't know Roy Moore. First off, he doesn't appear to believe in the Constitution as it's written. Our rights don't come from government. They don't come from the Bill of Rights. They come from Almighty God. Now, that's just a taste of what are very fundamentalist views that have gotten him removed from office twice as Alabama's chief justice. Now, what's amazing to me is Chuck Todd's utter ignorance. Absolute, utter ignorance. A man who apparently hasn't ever read the Declaration of Independence, which is our founding document, and the Constitution, as we've talked about, is the governing document, but it's a manifestation of the Declaration of Independence. And what Judge Moore is talking about, because he's much smarter than Chuck Todd, much more sophisticated than Chuck Todd, much more informed about Americanism than Chuck Todd, is the notion of unalienable rights and where they come from. That's what Judge Moore is talking about. All of you know that. The Bill of Rights are a reflection of the protection of your unalienable rights from the government. And where do these unalienable rights come from? Well, the founders of the country told us. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind. The laws of nature and of nature's God. Now I know it's fashionable today to blow all this off, to pretend none of this exists. That's in the Declaration of Independence. That's why I wrote Rediscovering Americanism. And Mr. Producer, no joke. I want you to send a copy, a signed copy of Rediscovering Americanism to Chuck Todd with a note on it from me saying, Chuck, read this. Mark. Okay? Let's send it out. 
It goes on further. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Look, I'm no expert on religion or faith. I have my own. So this isn't a show about religion or faith, nor need it be. But if you cannot accept the fact, it is a fact, it is not debatable, that this nation was founded on the notion of the laws of nature and nature's God. And what the founders meant by that, and we know exactly what they meant by that, because the same language essentially is in the Virginia Declaration of Rights, in the Pennsylvania Declaration of Rights, in the Massachusetts Declaration of Rights. And we know what the founders got this from. They got it from John Locke. They got it from Cicero. They got it from Aristotle. They got it from Sidney. We know this because they told us this. That Judge Moore is 100% right. And Chuck Todd is ignorant. And he doesn't even know he's ignorant. And yet there he is. On MSNBC, speaking to several dozen people who are viewing, giving them false information, saying, first off, he doesn't appear to believe in the Constitution as it's written. Of course he believes in the Constitution as it's written. Do you, Chuck? Do you even know what the Constitution is based on? Again, you don't even have to be a so-called religious person. And Chuck Todd calls these fundamentalist views. Fundamentalist views, so being a constitutional conservative who actually understands our founding, now you're a fundamentalist fundamentalist now the left has taken a liking to Alexander Hamilton because they feel that Alexander Hamilton was a big central government socialist which he never was but they feel that way because he helped create the first national bank of the United States and so forth and so on and he was a a strong opponent of Jefferson and Madison, who were the Federalists. But even Alexander Hamilton, who wrote a number, most, he and Madison, of the articles, what we call the Federalist Papers today, in February 1775, he pointed out in a newspaper essay called The Farmer Refuted, he was excoriating a particularly nasty objector to the growing American rebellion against the British crown. Here's what he said as he stressed natural rights of the individual. He wrote, upon this natural law depend the natural rights of mankind. The supreme being gave existence to man together with the means of preserving and beautifying that existence. He endowed him with rational fac faculties by the help of which to discern and pursue such things as were consistent with his duty and interest and invested him with an invaluable right to personal liberty and personal safety. Hence, in a state of nature, no man, and by the way, state of nature, they don't mean, you know, some poet sitting out in the middle of a forest. State of nature means God's will. In a state of nature, no man had any moral power to deprive another of his life, limbs, property or liberty, nor the least authority to command or exact obedience from him, except that which arose from the ties of consanguinity. Hence also the origin of all civil government, justly established, must be a voluntary compact, and he goes on. 
He writes further. Let's see here. I'm trying to cut to the chase so I don't have to read the whole thing to you because it'll take too long. Endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. So there is an appeal to the supreme judge of the world. A firm reliance on protection of divine providence. Hamilton agreed. Jefferson agreed. All the founders. All the main actors. All the rebels. The revolutionaries. They said we have unalienable rights. Man can't take them. Man can't create them. Government can't take them. Government can't create them. Man can try to protect them. Governments can try to protect them. And that's the nature of our Constitution. But Judge Moore is right. And Chuck Todd is wrong. And this is part of the problem. I'll even go further. There's the famous speech, and I'm I'm coming at this from the first chapter in Rediscovering Americanism. August 17, 1858, in Lewistown, Illinois. Lincoln running for the Senate against Stephen Douglas. And he delivers this powerful speech that's transcribed by a reporter who's there. And he's brandishing the Declaration of Independence and condemning slavery. He says, now if slavery had been a good thing, would the fathers of the Republic have taken a step calculated to diminish it? Its its beneficent influences among themselves and snatched the boon wholly from their posterity? These communities, the colonies, by the representatives in old Independence Hall, said to the whole world of men, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Lincoln, citing the Declaration, citing the part of the Declaration, talking about endowed by their creator. Lincoln went on. This was their majestic interpretation of the economy of the universe. This was their lofty and wise and noble understanding of the justice of the Creator to His creatures. Chuck Todd does not even comprehend that the abolitionist movement, the anti-slavery movement, repeatedly referred to the Declaration of Independence and specifically to the Creator, the laws of nature and nature's God, to make the point that men can be evil. That history is filled with evil men. And that each of us have a circle of liberty. We individuals, we have a circle of liberty around us. Whomever we are, wherever we are, the moment we are born, we have unalienable rights. Not because some king says so, not because some congress says so, but because those are the laws of nature and nature's God. And... What do we mean by that? Well, we know right from wrong here in the United States. You know it's wrong to steal. You know it's wrong to assault somebody. You know it's wrong to cheat on your wife or your husband. It's wrong in Kansas. It's wrong in every state of the country. As a moral matter, it's wrong. Apart from criminal laws and civil laws. And it's wrong in Paris. And it's wrong in London. And it's wrong in Tel Aviv to do these things. It's wrong. How do we know it's wrong? Because there's a universal moral order, Chuck Todd. The golden rule is a perfect example. What is the golden rule? But a statement of a universal moral truth. 
Treat others as you expected to be treated by them. Look at the Ten Commandments. Most of our criminal law, our codified law, is based on those Ten Commandments. What's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's evil. So we're not talking about religious fundamentalism. Thomas Jefferson was a religious man, but he was a deist, and so was Franklin. Religious men, mind you. And the men in Independence Hall, whether it was the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution of the United States, they were not trying to create a theocracy, which is why the first Congress proposed the First Amendment, and it was adopted by the state ratification uh, conventions. That is, if you read the First Amendment, it doesn't just talk about a free press and freedom of speech and freedom to assemble. It talks about the right to practice your religion and talks about the government not establishing a religion. The brilliance of the founders, the brilliance of the framers, the brilliance of the Declaration, the brilliance of the Constitution, completely lost on Chuck Todd. So anxious is this former Democrat Hill staffer to Tom Harkin to try and demonstrate how smart he is, to try and catch Judge Moore in some kind of a trick, a contradiction, when in fact he exposes his utter ignorance. Not just of American history, but humanity. But humanity. The framers of the Constitution created a magnificent document. Now, you could be an atheist, you could be an agnostic, you could be a person of one particular religious denomination or another. It doesn't matter. What they created in the Constitution was a society that nurtures liberty and nurtures the right of people to practice their religion unmolested. Tolerance. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Chuck Todd doesn't have to agree with everything Judge Moore says. I don't agree with everything he says. I don't agree with everything the way he says everything. But fundamentally, he's right about this. He's fundamentally right about this. And herein lies the problem, ladies and gentlemen. Chuck Todd is a progressive. He rejects the Declaration of Independence. He rejects the Constitution's purpose. Its purpose. And he goes on TV and unwittingly seeks to mock Judge Moore when in fact he's mocking himself. But there are millions and millions of people in this country who are just as ignorant as Chuck Todd. And that's the audience he plays to on MSNBC. And that's the audience he plays to on Meet the Press. They have no substantive understanding of this country, of its greatness, of its founding principles, of where they come from, why they're important. They have no fundamental understanding of the Enlightenment, the pre-Enlightenment period, Aristotle and others, none whatsoever. They are so steeped in progressivism and the news of the minute that anybody who stands up and actually articulates principles that serve as the fundamental undergirding of this nation are read off as kooks. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
I've been leading an effort with you, my beloved, beloved audience, all of us have, for many, many years to try and rid the Republican Party, to try and rid the Republican Party of Mitch McConnell. It wouldn't bother me if he were some backbencher in the United States Senate like all the rest of them. But he sits now as the Republican leader of the United States Senate. I did an entire show on this on Levin TV, and we put it in front of the paywall so all of you could see it. But this has been something I've been addressing for how long, Rich? Five years? Six? Seven years? We can't get anything accomplished while this man is sitting at the head of the Republican Party in the Senate. Nothing. And there is a blistering piece in Politico that I will share with you when we return after the bottom of the hour. It's very, very important. The president talks about getting rid of the filibuster rule. I think that's a pipe dream. I say let's get rid of Mitch McConnell. That would start, help things, and not replace him with one of his clones. Replace him with a conservative, <clears throat> or at least somebody who's moderately conservative. Maybe that's the best we can get. But not somebody who is basically an elected bureaucrat. I'll explain when I come back. Mark Levin, America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. Now, Politico is a decidedly leftist website. And this guy, Adam Gentleson, is decidedly leftist as well. But he makes some very good points in writing about Mitch McConnell. The myth of Mitch McConnell, political super genius. The Senate Majority Leader has been coasting on an inflated reputation for too long. This week exposed just how little he has achieved. The past eight months of massive and avoidable failures have delivered such a devastating blow to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's reputation for political savvy. It's a wonder it ever existed at all. So how did the myth of McConnell get started in the first place? The story is one of cynicism, self-promotion, incredulousness, born out of desperation for bipartisanship and craving for familiar roles in an era when American politics veered into uncharted territory. For the uninitiated, the myth goes something like this. A calculating Kentuckian, he sees three steps ahead while playing eight-dimensional chess on his solved Rubik's Cube with one hand, while using the other to hold an inside stray close to his vest, which is embroidered with messianic secrets uh, that only he can read and that unlock true ma- mastery of the Senate, along with eternal enlightenment for good measure. In the myth of McConnell, <coughs> excuse me, grand achievements are conjured out of last-minute crises-driven exercises in can-kicking, like extending the U.S. borrowing authority and government funding, all things that used to happen routinely before McConnell became leader of the Republican caucus and unleashed his unique brand of unprecedented obstructionism on the Senate, manufacturing the very crises that made the last-minute deals necessary. Meanwhile, humdrum political events like winning re-election in a deep red state in a strong year for Republicans, as McConnell did in 2014, are recast as achievements of Machiavellian brilliance. Again, you don't have to agree with all this, but it certainly hits a chord, doesn't it? If any believers in the myth remain after the brutal week McConnell has endured, which capped off an unbelievably brutal eight months, they should take this challenge. Name one major legislative accomplishment to McConnell's credit over the more than 30 years he's been in the Senate. 
Last-minute deals don't count. You can't do it. Now, here's the decidedly liberal guy, but he's right about this. Unlike former Senate Democratic leader Harry Reid, he writes, my former boss, so you know he's a leftist, and House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi, McConnell has never authored a single piece of major legislation that became law, nor has he successfully shepherded a single major bill to passage as leader. Reid, Pelosi, and former President Barack Obama were all party to the last-minute deals, but they all have a trove of historic accomplishments to show for their leadership. And he goes on and on with the uh, leftist mentality. But it's true in the sense. They ran through their agendas. As detestable as you and I know them to be. McConnell has not advanced anything of substance. His failure to log even a single major achievement is without precedent in recent American history. It's not like he hasn't had the opportunity not only has McConnell enjoyed 250 days of unified Republican control in 2017, he also led a GOP majority in the Senate for the previous two years, paired with a solid Republican majority in the House. But under McConnell's leadership, even bills backed by strong bipartisan support, tagged as likely to pass by seasoned Hill observers and likely to be signed by Obama, languished. Let's continue. Uh, the myth is manufactured of a deeply cynical but highly effective public relations insight that McConnell exploited to maximum effect. If he simply labeled everything, and it goes on and on about that. You know what? You can read it yourselves. We will link to it, Mr. Producer. But in general, it's accurate, is it not? Now, he's a leftist. Why can't Republicans see this? Conservatives more and more see this. The Tea Party saw it. You and I saw it in 2014 when we took an active role in trying to defeat him in Kentucky in the Republican primary in our support of Matt Bevin, who would later become the governor of Kentucky. The fact of the matter is, one of the reasons we cannot get our agenda instituted is because of Mitch McConnell. And Mitch McConnell is an incessant leaker, and his surrogates are incessant leakers to the Washington Post, to the New York Times, to Politico, to the Wall Street Journal editorial page, and to other pseudo-conservative entities. McConnell has enormous influence with, with these entities because he has enormous influence he's built with lobbyists and special interests in the U.S. Chamber of Crony Capitalism and so forth and so on. Conservatives can't advance even though we put the majority in there in the Senate and the House 2010 and 2014 and put Trump in office, we cannot advance with people like him. I mean, say what you will about Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan is better than Mitch McConnell. Doesn't mean we have to uh, celebrate him, but he's better than Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, in my view, is the worst. And if he's replaced by one of his clones like John Cornyn or John Thune or Lamar Alexander, guys like that who've learned from the school of McConnell how to empower themselves how to try and destroy their opponents. We will not have gotten anywhere. Remember what he did to Judge Moore in Alabama, Mitch McConnell. Collectively, he controlled directly or indirectly $9 million. And they used a small percentage of that to promote their man, Luther Strange, who was a disaster from day one. They used most of that money to trash Mo Brooks, and then after Mo Brooks, Roy Moore. That's what they do. 
trash conservatives. And uh, because why doesn't he want Roy Moore? Why didn't he want Mo Brooks? Because they all said that they would oppose him. They all said that they would oppose him. And so that he will not he will not tolerate. That he will not oblige. But even the left, even the left sees him as a as a joke. And then you'll see an, a, a column appear. Typically, it's from one of these long in the tooth columnists who've been inside the Beltway for a long time, who uh, McConnell has worked over and worked with for for decades. And you'll see them, and they'll and they'll write things like, you know, Judge Gorsuch became a Supreme Court justice. Ladies and gentlemen, any Republican leader in the Senate could have, should have, and would have done exactly the same thing. In the face of what Schumer and the Democrats were doing. He doesn't get points for that. Uh, Mr. Producer, we did post recently, again, my, uh, I believe it was in April of this year, my April show on McConnell, did we not? A few hours ago from Levin TV on Facebook. I really want you to check that out because I want us to stay on this. You know, I've told you about Convention of States and Article 5. That's something we have been promoting here for several years now. I wrote a book about it, something we really want to continue to do. But when we engage on the federal level, which will not fix what's going on, it'll be Convention of States that fix what's going on. But when we engage on the federal level, if we cannot move people like Mitch McConnell out, there will be no progress or minimal progress in the United States Senate and elsewhere. There's a reason why Chuck Schumer runs circles around the Republicans, whether he's in the majority or the minority, and that is the leadership of the Republicans in the Senate. Mitch McConnell went after Chris McDaniels in Mississippi when he was, in fact, the legitimate Republican nominee pushing Thad Cochran. Thad Cochran could barely speak at the time. I believe he's in the hospital now. I don't know what's wrong with him. I'm not trying to put the guy down. But he really was not fit for another term. It didn't matter to Mitch McConnell. That was his guy. He reached into Indiana recently in a Republican primary for the Senate and tried to destroy the reputation of the conservative who was running. He got the rhino that he wanted. And this guy votes with him 100% all the time. You can look all around the country in these Senate races. Can you name one solid conservative, not a rhino, conservative, who Mitch McConnell has backed in a Republican primary? Just name one. Marco Rubio wouldn't be in the United States Senate today. Instead, uh, what is his name? Christ would be in the United States Senate. Now he's in the House as a Democrat. But Rubio and Rove, excuse me, um, McConnell and Rove opposed Rubio. Ted Cruz would not be in the Senate today if Mitch McConnell had his way. It's true. Mike Lee wouldn't be in the Senate today if Mitch McConnell had his way. Rand Paul wouldn't be in the Senate today if Mitch McConnell had his way. And yet Lisa Murkowski, he went all out for her. And look what she did on Obamacare repeal. Susan Collins, he goes all out for her. Look what she's done time and time and time again. And she'll be a problem on the tax cuts, too. It's not just that McConnell's ineffective. He's not bright. He's just not bright. He either doesn't understand the fundamental principles that need to be articulated day in and day out to the American people to counter the hard left that Schumer represents, or he doesn't want to. He's a bureaucrat. 
He's also a progressive. I remember years ago, one thing he did do is he fought McCain-Feinkold. Now, of course, he lost. It was passed, and of course... President George W. Bush signed it, and the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, you know, trashed a good chunk of it. But that's the only thing, the first thing and the last thing I can remember, where he really took the point of the spear and ran with it. And ran with it. Perfect example, Obamacare. They should have had a plan in place. He ran on repealing it. What did he say? Root and branch? He had no plan at all, whatsoever. None. So it's good that others are coming around other than you and me, you and my audience, my beloved audience, and we here. It's good that others are finally coming around to see that this is a problem. A problem. He is a disaster. He's not the only one. But he's the Republican leader. He's the majority leader. He decides what legislation is going to be voted on, what amendments will be taken up, who serves as a committee chairman, who serves on what committee. He gets to make all those decisions. And that's where he gets his power. That's how he holds on to his power. All right, I'll be right back. I've been sleeping on my Casper mattress for a while. I'd pick it over every mattress I ever had. It really helps me get the best night's sleep, period. And you know, I had a bad back for a while. It really did help. Now, once you try Casper, you're going to love it. Switching to a Casper is a no-brainer. It's a higher-quality mattress at a more affordable price. I'm sleeping cool and comfortably every night, much better than on the old, overpriced mattress I used to have. Casper ships right to your door for free in a small, how did they do that, sized box. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it and refund you everything. From its break, now let's just stop there. Nobody does that. You can try this mattress for over three months. For over three months. It's got breakthrough design, superior quality. Its packaging is unbelievable. So you can try it. They do all this so you can try it for a 100 nights. And you'll decide if you like it or not. You'll decide. I'm encouraging you to try it, but in the end, you decide. And Casper was named one of the Fast Company's 50 Most Innovative Brands of 2017. Put Casper to the test. Take a Casper mattress. Take it home for 100 nights. They'll send it to you for free. It's risk-free. Go to Casper.com. Use code MARK and get $50 towards the purchase of your brand new mattress. It's priced well, but get $50 towards the purchase. That's Casper.com, code mark, $50 towards the purchase of your brand new Casper mattress. That's Casper.com, code mark, terms and conditions apply. I really hope you check out that mattress. You've got nothing to lose, nothing. There's a lot more to get into tonight, but let me take some calls here. Kathy, Mobile, Alabama, Sirius Satellite, how are you? Hi, Mark. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good. I was listening at the beginning of the show, and I so appreciate how you set the record straight with Chuck Todd. But I also read today that Jeff Flake had been in an interview, and he had also said he would not throw his support uh, behind Judge Roy Moore. 
So I well, may, may I ask you a question, ma'am? Yes. Who, who asked him to? He was. He was. Uh, well, that's true. That's true. But all that. All I could do is hurt Judge Moore. Anyway, yes. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I called his office today, and one of his interns or whomever answered the phone, and I told them that uh, I had read that, and I said I had. I just have one comment for uh, Jeff Flake, and I want to make sure you you get this down. So either remember it or write it down. But from the famous line of Rhett Butler. You can tell Jeff Lake, frankly, Jeffy, we don't give a damn. You're right. And let me ask you this, Kathy. These Republicans like Flake, they're always talking about bipartisanship, reaching across the aisle. Why do they hate we conservatives so? Well, uh, how, how come they don't reach out to us? How come they're always in the business of undermining us? Well, it, it's just the way it is now. And more more. Uh, conservatives need to speak out. I mean, frankly... Let me me, me tell you about Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake is a libertarian. He used to run, I believe, the Goldwater Institute, named after the great Barry Goldwater. He left there from the director of president position to run for the House. He was elected. Then he runs as this big conservative for the Senate, comes on this show and other shows. And now he is, uh, what? He's a rhino. Yep. So He's been trained well under John McCain. All right, Kathy. God bless you. Take care. Robert, another part of the country, Boston, Massachusetts, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hi, Mark. First, uh, it's a great honor to speak with you. Thanks for letting me be on your show. It's a pleasure. And Thank you. I also wanted to uh, I want to start by saying that... Um, thank you let for me remind you. America, Boston is where the American Revolution started. Go right ahead. <laughs> uh, what you articulated about Chuck Todd was on uh, a lot of our minds. Thank you for doing that. But I really called to talk about your book, um, Rediscovering Americanism, because uh, because of the effect it had on me. And one particular part of the book I want to zero in on. Now, as you were introducing us to uh, progressivism and the progressive mindset and the, its inception, its, uh, its genesis and so on, um, as I read through all that, I actually started getting – almost like physically ill at one point. Mm-hmm. It really kind of made me sick how, how that think, what that thinking is and what it's comprised of and so on. And then all of a sudden on page 53, you introduce us to a speech by President Calvin Coolidge, mm-hmm. and that was like an oasis, Mark. That was like pure brilliance. First of all, brilliant that you placed it right there. But his speech was absolutely brilliant, and it, and it took progressivism, and it just kind of, highlighted how it's anything but progressive. In fact, mm-hmm. he kind of made the, the case that it's very regressive. Um, and I, I thought it was just great. And I think uh, for those of you listeners who haven't read the book yet, they really need to get it. I bought three copies, by the way. I bought two extras to give away to friends. Well, I appreciate it. I'm not pushing it. But what I did there is I, I started studying and looking for speeches that were given about the Declaration of Independence or July 4 speeches, and that's how I found Coolidge. And you're exactly right. Coolidge, in essence, is responding to all the progressives. Brilliant, brilliant man who is unfortunately uh, unappreciated by so many people. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate it very, very much. You know, uh, he's a friend of mine, too. I hear it, I hear every now and then on, on my station, my home station, saying, you know, we're not asking you to subscribe and pay for anything or buy a book or anything. Our email is free. Well, if something is free, you got to ask yourself, well, what's it really worth? 
There's an enormous amount of information in this book. I spent 16 months writing it. We have to publish it. The publisher has to get paid. It's 15 bucks. You don't have to buy it, but if you want to learn things you will not learn from a free email, check it out. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I'm starting to think these uh, NFL players who are kneeling and holding arms and standing on their heads and doing whatever they're doing, don't even know why they're doing it anymore. They just throw around the phrase social injustice and inequality and so forth and so on. I, I, I really do believe that. And I think it's very, very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. If you have a football coach who kneels on the football uh, field in order to pray before a game, that coach could be fired. That coach works for, say, a school district. Or that coach would be attacked if it was an NFL coach. So kneeling and praying for your country, that's absolutely unacceptable. No free speech. Kneeling to trash your country. Oh, we're not trashing our country. We're just trashing the country's anthem, the country's flag. No, no, no. We don't mean to trash the country. We're just trashing, a, you know, what a hard place this is. Well, no, we're not trashing the country. The lies, the contradictions, the confusion now that we're hearing. A protest without a purpose. Now we have a protest without a purpose. And I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but young people today, look at what they're being taught and what they see. That the men's room isn't necessarily for men. That the ladies' room isn't necessarily necessary for ladies. Um, that it's actually a, a great courageous act to kneel or otherwise disrespect the national anthem and the American flag. I don't know about you, but I was taught differently. To show respect for your country and the people who fought for it and made our liberty possible. And so the propaganda of the kneelers keeps changing. And that's what we'll call them for now on, the kneelers. The propaganda, the excuses, the arguments for the kneelers just keeps changing. Well, it's against the cops. We don't mean that. Uh, It's... uh, uh, inequality. Well, and we don't mean that. It's actually broader. Social injustice. Oh, yeah. But it's not, it's not against military, not against cops. No, no, no. We would never do that. And yet we know that's exactly where Kaepernick st- uh, stood with his socks, with cops as pigs, and so forth and so on. The American people aren't stupid. The athletes are stupid. The American people aren't stupid. So the kneelers will continue with their propaganda to show just how uh, courageous they are. And, of course, they're not courageous at all. They're millionaires. They are fabulously wealthy. 
in this magnificent society, even though they just play a game. Just a game. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth Bader Ginsburg should resign from the Supreme Court because, in my humble opinion, she's not all there. I I really believe this. I believe that she's hyper-politicized, and her ability to think substantively and rationally is, I mean, just by the comments she makes, is questionable. But she just spews the, ship, the shibboleths of the, uh, of the left, and she's a Supreme Court justice. So in this regard, she, uh, she's completely unethical. And she's with the most monotonous interviewer ever, Charlie Rose. This is on uh, CBS This Morning, which nobody watches. Cut five, go. When do you think we'll see a woman as president? When do now, I now, think? let's stop there. How stupid is this question? When do you think we'll see a woman as president? You know, I've been thinking about this, ladies and gentlemen. If we had a woman running for president who had the character and qualifications of a Margaret Thatcher, you would vote for her, right? Of course. Instead, there was Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Why would we vote for Hillary Clinton? Just another far radical leftist. But we would vote for Thatcher. Wouldn't we? Yes, we would, Charlie. Now, when do you think we'll see a, uh, you know, a, a first woman president? Well, let's see, Charlie. I'm guessing eight years from now. This is what we call a setup question. Start from the top, please. Cut five. Go. When do you think we'll see a woman as president? When do I think? Mm-hmm. Well, we came pretty close. Yes. Do you think sexism played a role in that campaign? Oh, stop sexism. Do you think sexism played a role in that campaign, ladies and gentlemen? Where uh, women, excuse me, where men voted for Donald Trump because they didn't want to vote for a woman? Aren't you sick of being degraded like this by morons like this? Do you think uh, sexism played a role? No. A rotten left-wing candidate played a role. We're all well familiar with Hillary Clinton. We're not talking about her genitalia. As a matter of fact, we don't even want to think about it. Neither does Bill Clinton for that matter, but that's another story. But for Charlie Rose and Ginsburg, it's about genitalia. For the left, it's about genitalia. Who has what genitalia? Who should have what genitalia? You should swap genitalias. Uh, when it goes to the bathroom, your actual genitalia doesn't matter. What matters is what's between your ears, not between your legs. On and on and on. I would say they're genitalia confused. They're genitally confused. What a riveting interview, by the way. I don't know who's more monotonous, Charlie Rose or Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Go ahead. Uh, do I think so? Yes. I have no doubt that it did. Yeah. Now let's stop right there. You hear the clapping seals in the background. Did sexism play a role? Well, now, what's your basis? Where's your proof for that? Isn't she a Supreme Court justice? I have no doubt. What's the question? Do I think so? Yes. I have no doubt that it... Yay! Clapping seals! Yay! Yay! Yes, of course it did! The Russians and and, and, uh, sexist men. That's why Hillary Clinton lost. You see? It's all figured out. Go ahead. Do you think it was decisive? That it was... Decisive. Stop a second. 
Why is she on the Supreme Court side? Decisive. Decisive. You know. D-E-C-I-S-I-V-E. Where's my law clerk? Where's... Go ahead. In other words, if Hillary Clinton had been a man, she would have won that election going on. Now, let's listen to this. This clown. He just can't stop. He keeps feeding her the... The, the lines, in other words, and, and he has to interpret it for her because she's a Supreme Court justice and she just doesn't get it. In other words, here I'm trying to put words in your mouth. Would you please regurgitate them? If Hillary Clinton had been a man, I won't go there. If Hillary Clinton had been a man, she would have won that election going away. <sighs> go ahead. So many things that might have been decisive, but that was a major Major fact factors. Imagine sitting in a uh, cloistered conference room. Just nine of you there on the Supreme Court. And uh, you gotta, you gotta get Ruth Bader Ginsburg involved in the discussion, you say. Ruth down there. Are you calling me? Yes, Ruth! How do you vote? How does Breyer vote? He votes high! I vote aye. Aye. Pass the sugar cookies. Anyway, uh, this is, uh, this is the genius that comes out of Charlie Rose and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's offensive, isn't it? So one of the major reasons Hillary Clinton lost was because of sexism. And the basis for that, there is no basis. And I assume one of the major reasons Sarah Palin lost when she was running as vice president is because of sexism, right? Right, Ruth Bader Ginsburg? No. No. Well, what was it? Well, she wasn't a very good candidate. And what was the question? All right. Michelle Obama in Boston yesterday. Can't wait to hear what she has to say. By the way, how are those school lunches going? Not very well. I understand, however, the cafeterias all across the school systems in Venezuela have adopted the Michelle Obama school lunch plan. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? Yes, and of course they're starving to death because cardboard, even with ketchup, is not very tasty. Here's Michelle Obama and her pearls of wisdom. Cut six, go. Quite frankly, we saw this in this election. As far as I'm concerned, any woman who voted against Hillary Clinton voted against their own voice in a way... Stop. So any woman who voted against Hillary Clinton voted against their own voice. First of all, how irrational is that? Voted against your own voice? Vote against your own voice? You mean your own interests? Uh, but, but listen to the totalitarian mindset. And she's praised for that. My God, she's brilliant. And the clothes she wears. We've never seen a first lady dress like her. Absolutely fab. Absolutely fab. And, uh, and she just, she's so, she should run in 2020. She's got all the credentials, you know. And of course, if you don't vote against her, you're a sexist. I mean, if you don't vote for her. So anybody, just listen to this astounding statement. Any woman, any woman. I guess that that would include uh, the first lady uh, who's currently in the White House. Any woman who voted against Hillary Clinton voted against their own voice. Have you ever heard anything dumber? Have you ever, may I say, respectfully, have you ever heard anything dumber? You know what, Mr. Producer? Here I am in the bunker. I'm going to take a knee on this one. What do you think? I'm going to take a knee on this one. 
I'm so offended by the injustice of such a stupid statement. Let's start from the top. Cut six, go. Quite frankly, we saw this in this election. As far as I'm concerned, any woman who voted against Hillary Clinton voted against their own voice in a way, to me, that is... More clapping seals. Hold on now. Say it again. Say it again. It's so brilliant. Any woman who voted against Hillary voted against their own voice. You mean that shrill voice? Anyway, go. To me, it doesn't say as much about Hillary, and everybody's trying to wonder, well, what does this mean for Hillary? No, no, no. What does it mean for us as women? Oh, something wrong with women as a group. Because Hillary didn't win, and every single woman in the country didn't vote for Hillary. There's something wrong. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Republican women, you don't have to be a conservative. Republican women are stupid. Just like Republican men, they're stupid too. And their children are Republicans, probably, and they're dumb too. They're not even dreamers. They're deadbeats. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, any woman who voted against Hillary, the problem is not Hillary. The problem is women. Now, she sounds like a misogynist. She sounds like a sexist, but she can't be. Because she's a female and a liberal Democrat, so they can't be sexist or misogynists. She sounds like a self-hating woman to me. Go. That we look at those two candidates as women, and many of us said... First of all, those two candidates are not women, are they, Mr. Producer? We look at those two candidates as women. I get it, I get it. Go ahead. That guy, he's better for me. What's with the hiccup laugh? That guy, he's better for me. Go ahead. Is more true to me. Well, to me, that just says you don't like your voice. This rambling psychobabble, and that's what it is, may I say with all due respect. This rambling psychobabble. Since when does Michelle Obama speak for all women? When did that happen? Who elected her to speak for all women? Did we have a race in this country and I missed it? Who ran exactly? This is what I mean. The group think, the absolute intolerance of the left, the clapping seals that encourage them. Go ahead. You, you like the thing we're told to like. The voice we're told that we're supposed to like. You brought in the what the hell does that mean? You know what, Mr. Producer? I'm hearing voices right now. Oh, I am. Is that what she means? That little voice in the back of my head? That little voice in the back of everybody's head? Oh, yes, yes. Where you're, say, at a grocery store or a supermarket, you're walking down the aisle and you're talking to yourself. You're walking down the aisle and you're saying, I want to get that uh, Hershey bar. No, don't get it. What will the wife say? Don't get it. No, but I want to get No, don't get it. That voice, it's talking to me, Mr. Producer. So all you women out there, millions and millions and millions and millions of you who didn't vote for Hillary, there's something wrong with you. You're not listening to that voice in your head. You don't get it. You don't get it. Always vote liberal, particularly when the liberal is a woman. These, these contests are about genitalia first and foremost. I'll be right back. in. Ginsburg has 
Well, she does not have the capacity to be on the Supreme Court any longer. And by that I mean specifically, she does not have the kind of judicial temperament that's necessary to be an honest broker as a Supreme Court justice. She's out there pushing her conspiracy theories, which are down-the-line Democrat, and her radical political opinions. Michelle Obama is not to be celebrated. Michelle Obama has disrespected, she has put down every single woman in this country who voted for Donald Trump, or let me put it this way, who did not vote for Hillary Clinton, that there's something wrong with you, that you must not like yourself, that you're setting back womanhood. Now, who the hell does she think she is? Seriously. She was first lady, big deal. Big deal. Big deal. What has she accomplished, actually? And I, I'm, I'm being honest with you. That organic garden. Does she have an organic garden in her home now? Something tells me not. Do her children eat the equivalent of the school lunch program? With all the nutrition and health and the rest? Something tells me not. We allow these liberals to try and define us, and we need to push back. Like Chuck Todd proved himself to be an absolute moron. Ruth Bader Ginsburg has proved herself now to be an absolute moron, as has Michelle Obama. Three stooges for the day. But there's a fourth stooge. Nancy Pelosi at a press conference today. To a Puerto Rican native. Puerto Rico, ladies and gentlemen, is part of the United States. Oh, yes, it is. I can thank Theodore Roosevelt. Puerto Rico is part of the United States. It's American territory. Cut seven, go. Thank you very much, uh, Congresswoman Velasquez, for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for your ongoing commitments to people of our entire country, and that includes Puerto Rico. Uh, thank you for sharing the grief of your family. Uh, you were born and raised there and came to America to be an historic figure here. No, no, no. Puerto Rico's in America, you nitwit. Puerto Rico is in America. It's not a state, but it's a territory. You were born and raised there, Puerto Rico, and came to America to be a historic figure here. First of all, she's not a historic figure here or in Puerto Rico. Now, ladies and gentlemen who live in Nancy Pelosi's district in San Francisco, if you don't vote for her and you're a woman, obviously you hate women and you're not listening to your proper voice. Just keep that in mind. And remember, when it comes to Democrats, all things genitalia. I'll be right back. Show. This is the home of the July 4th Americans. And you can call at 877-381-3811. You know, the call board is full. It's been full. There's a lot of people on again. There's so many things I want to talk about. And there's no real connection necessarily one to the other. It's one of those shows. But uh, first I want to tell you about LifeLock. By now you've heard about the Equifax breach and how it may have impacted approximately 143 million people. But do you realize that these hackers made off with the information that identity thieves need to impersonate you? Names, social security numbers, birth dates, and addresses? This information can be used to open credit cards, loans, even apply for a mortgage in your name. 
Now is the time to get your protection. I have it, and my parents have it. You should get it. Sign up for LifeLock today. They use proprietary technology to detect a wide range of identity threats, and they'll alert you if your information is being used. If there's a problem, a U.S.-based identity restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock can help you see more than if you're just monitoring your credit. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. That's LifeLock.com or 1-800-LIFELOCK. Make sure you use promo code LEVIN. That's L-E-V-I-N, so you get 10% off your LifeLock membership. Again, that's LifeLock.com or 1-800-LIFELOCK. Save 10% now. And folks... With all the cyber warfare that's going on, all these hackers from all over the world breaking into these retail accounts and bank accounts and security accounts, you really need to take responsibility for your own protection. You really do. That's why I got LifeLock. That's why I got it from my parents. LifeLock.com or 1-800-LIFELOCK. Make sure you use promo code LEVIN so you get the 10% off. I don't know what the best time is to do this, but it seems like now. It seems like now. There are these forces of evil all over the world. Levin TV, the entire program, again, is on North Korea. New aspects, new information for you. I hope you'll check it out. And so we cover these events. North Korea, Iran, you know, the Palestinians, Hamas, Hezbollah. All these events all over the world because they have an effect on us. Something took place at the United Nations the other day. And there's an organization called UN Watch. It's a great organization. It represents you and me. It keeps an eye on what's going on at the UN. So it's, it's a watchdog group that you and I can support. Something took place at the UN that's been either not reported or underreported. And so I'll make it a national event. Ever hear of Mossab Hassan Youssef? Well, of course not. He's the son of the leader of Hamas. The son, and we'll get to you callers, hang in there. The son of the leader of Hamas. And on Monday, he spoke at the UN. And it was outstanding. And as he was speaking at the UN, he was in his seat, speaking at the UN. He was among the Palestinians there, sent by Abbas, the terrorist, and the rest of them. And you could see they were visibly upset, visibly stunned, visibly angry at listening to the son of the leader of Hamas, Mossab Hassan Youssef is the son's name. I want you to listen to what he said, and then you'll see why. Cut eight, go. My name is Mossab Hassan Youssef. I grew up in Ramallah as a member of Hamas. I address the words to the Palestinian Authority which claims to be the sole legitimate representative of the Palestinian people. I ask, where does your legitimacy come from? The Palestinian people did not elect you, and they did not appoint you to represent them. You are self-appointed. Your accountability is not to your own people. This is evidenced by your own total violation for their human rights. In fact, the Palestinian individual and their human development is the least of your concerns. You kidnap Palestinian students from campus and torture them in your jails. You torture your political rivals. The suffering of the Palestinian people is the outcome of your selfish political interest. 
You are the greatest enemy of the Palestinian people. If Israel did not exist, you would have no one to, to blame. Take responsibility for the outcome of your own actions. You fan the flames of conflict to maintain your abusive power. Finally, you use this platform to mislead the international community, to mislead the Palestinian society, to believe that Israel is responsible for the problems you create. You better believe that guy better be looking over his shoulder day and night, every day and every night. The son of Hamas leader lays it out as it is and does an excellent job, I might add. And he is exactly correct. In a related matter, not exactly, but the same part of the world, I'm looking at the Jerusalem Post. Listen to this, because our State Department, ladies and gentlemen, is completely out of control. So is this guy Rex Tillerson. The State Department declined to defend David Friedman. David Friedman, ladies and gentlemen, is the American ambassador to Israel. The State Department declined to defend him today after he claimed in an interview that Israeli settlements built after 1967 are a part of the country. The claim which runs contrary to decades-old U.S. policy continued by the Trump administration, this is according to the Post, should not be read as a way to prejudge the outcome of any negotiations and should not be read as a shift in U.S. policy, said State Department spokesman Heather Nauert. Be the first to know. Okay. I just want to be clear that our policy has not changed, she said. I want to be crystal clear. And yet it was the second time the State Department spokesman had to come to her podium to walk back comments from the Israeli envoy this month after Friedman referred to the alleged occupation in a Jerusalem Post interview on September 1, confusing many as to whether U.S. policy had shifted. See, the State Department is dug in. Dug in. And it is heavily pro-Palestinian and pro-Arab. Just telling you the facts. We have some very effective leaders and representatives now, it replied, before referring to Jason Greenblatt, U.S. Special Representative for International Negotiations, and Jared Kushner, President Donald Trump's son-in-law, tasked with leading the peace effort. She did not name Friedman. You know, that is a disgrace. I'm not done. From Washington, senior administration officials say that settlement activity is not helpful to the pursuit of peace between Israelis and Palestinians. Top priority for Trump. Now, Nauert said she had heard about the interview, but had not seen its full context or spoken with the ambassador. Friedman told Walla News that he thinks the settlements are part of Israel, according to a preview released on Thursday morning. Quote, I think that was always the expectation. When Resolution 242 was adopted in 1967, Friedman said, the idea was that Israel would be entitled to secure borders. The existing borders, the 67 borders, were viewed by everybody as not secure. So Israel would retain a meaningful portion of the West Bank, and it would return that which it didn't need for peace and security. Folks, you need to know, the 1967 borders were borders for a, a peace arrangement. That is, they weren't per permanent borders. Arab states surrounding Israel attacked Israel, famously, you remember, in the 1967 war. Those borders were not intended to be permanent borders where all of a sudden, oh, look at Israel, they're occupying territory. No. No, not at all. 
it's easy to do some research here. I want you to go back and listen to the interviews I did when I was in Israel with these brilliant, brilliant people, one after another. Why is it called the West Bank? Why is it called the West Bank? Because Jordan seized what is called accurately, the ancient terms, Judea and Samaria? Have you noticed that word Judea? Have you noticed that word Judea, Mr. Producer? Do you know that's where the Jews get their name? Judea and Samaria. No, 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 you don't understand. It's occupied territory. It's the West Bank of Jordan. It belongs to the Palestinians. I challenge anybody to go into the Bible and show us where the Palestinians occupied or are indigenous to Judea and Samaria. Or, for that matter, Jerusalem. Go ahead, show me. And outside the Bible, outside 150 years ago, I challenge you to show me in any ancient transcript or any objective historical analysis. Period. Period. Ambassador Friedman happens to be exactly right. Tillerson and the State Department are out of control. It's still the Obama State Department. It's still the Obama State Department, with the former chairman and CEO of ExxonMobil running it. And Friedman went on. So there was always supposed to be some notion of expansion into the West Bank, but not necessarily expansion into the entire West Bank. And I think that's exactly what, you know, Israel has done. I mean, they're only occupying 2% of the West Bank. There is important nationalistic, historic, and religious significance to those settlements, and I think the settlers view themselves as Israelis, and Israel views the settlers as Israelis. It's a statement of fact. It's a statement of fact. I don't care. You know, the State Department, this State Department is at foggy bottom. It's foggy bottom, foggy type. It needs to be fumigated. It needs to be fumigated. The State Department is at war with the Trump administration. They're at war with their own ambassador. With their own ambassador. Well, here on the Mark Levin Show, we know where we stand. I don't even believe in this two-state solution. How can you possibly have a two-state solution? Forget about Hamas. We have Fatah. And we're told, oh, Fatah is the moderate wing of the Palestinians. No, they're not. Fatah, run by that terrorist Abbas, he was supposed to serve four or five years. What is he, in year 15? Not only that, they continue to use our tax dollars to subsidize the murder of Israelis. You and I pay pensions to their families out of our hard-earned tax dollars. And guess what? Mr. Tillerson has no problem with that. None. Mr. Netanyahu and his team have objected to the Iran deal, as has President Trump himself, as have I since day one. Tillerson wants to penalize the Israeli government by $75 million. Because under the deal with Obama, the Israelis are not allowed to criticize the deal or try to change it. Did you know that? So in Tillerson's world, the Iranians get $150 billion to build nukes and ICBMs and to spread terrorism all over the Middle East and into our country. The Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, which murdered American soldiers, never forget it, 
Murdered American soldiers. Mr. Tillerson doesn't want that deal repealed either. So in Tillerson's world, in the State Department's world, the ambassador to Israel from the United States should keep his mouth shut. Uh, Mr. Abbas is welcome into the United States and just should speak anytime he wants. That the U.S. should not cut off funds to Abbas and Fatah, despite the fact they use some of our tax dollars to give pensions and subsidize the families of murders. And this is the State Department Tillerson world. That guy needs to go, in my humble opinion. Anyway, I thought that speech by the son of the leader of Hamas was right on, right there in the U.N., right there among the Palestinians. Oh, my goodness. Oh, how rude of him. All right, more to get to, including your calls. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. this here. My buddy David. Melech. He reminds us, 1967 borders are not borders. They're the 1949 armistice lines in which the Arab and Israeli armies stopped fighting in 1949 in Israel's War of Independence. Jordan occupied the West Bank from 1949 to 1967, and Israel took it in a war, of course, of self-defense during the Six-Day War in 1967. The 1949 armistice lines, that's what they are, are complementary, indefensible, and left Israel eight miles wide at its narrowest point. And so this is the point, in essence, that Ambassador Friedman is making, among other things. And the United States State Department is siding with the most radical elements of the so-called Palestinians, and I say so-called Palestinians because that's a name that was assigned uh, by uh, Arafat, because it sounds like Palestine. Yeah, you'll get the facts here. You'll get the facts here. Where am I, Mr. Bidditch? Oh, yes. The turmoil in America, let alone around the world, well, it goes on and on and on. And every day we hear about risks that I've talked about for months, particularly when it comes to the debt and so forth. Geopolitical and cyber risks continue to be in the news every day. And uh, there's some questions about the stock market bubble. You're starting to read about that. So no matter where you turn, there are serious risks. They affect our lives. And so you have to do something about them. Number one, you have to accept that they're risks. Number two, you have to take them seriously. And then number three... With that knowledge, you need to do something about it. Take steps to protect yourself now so you're prepared for the future. Gold has survived financial devastation, wars, currency failures throughout centuries. It's better to gain peace of mind now than look back and wish you did. After the fact is of no consequence. For a limited time, Goldline is offering price protection for three months on orders as low as $2,500. Now, this is an amazing special from the only company that I buy gold from, and that's Goldline, 877-365-COIN. Be sure to read the report risk information to be sure that buying gold is right for you. It's 1-877-365-COIN, 1-877-365-2646. 
Here we go. Louie, Sayerville, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Honor, Mr. Levin, let me tell you, the amount of education you put into my brain, it's ten times more than all the education I, I had combined with high school and grammar school, and thank God I didn't go to college because I could see where that would have went. <laughs> You're right. Thank <laughs> so, you. I appreciate that. But Mark, I told your call screener, I'm a first-generation Cuban-American. Yeah, I know a lot of audiences are going to roll their eyes. Oh, here's another stupid story. No, no Mark. I don't I'm think gonna so. Say, a lot of my relatives told me that he, he said, suppose if you had free elections in Cuba and you would have talked to Donald Trump in your neighborhood and somebody would have had picked that up and eavesdropped, you would have been in jail that evening, Mark, for how long? Maybe two, three, four, five years, Mark. So I just want to educate your people out there. I know you talk to millions of people out there, and it's not a game that we're playing here. Mark Levin doesn't get on his radio station. He can be doing a hundred other million other things. But, Mark, I just want to say again, it's been a pleasure, and you're a stalwart. And, man, you know, we were, I think we were born in the wrong time. I think you should have been born in the revolutionary <laughs> days. I think so you would have I. been a great preacher or something, and I would have been a rifleman or something. But I love you, Mark. Keep up the good work, brother. Thank you, Louie. I appreciate it, man. I could use one of those powdered wigs, too, Mr. Producer. Speaking of powdered, I could use a powdered donut about now. You know, I've lost 20 pounds. You haven't even seen me rich, have you, in the last few months? I, I Only on Levin TV. Don't I look thinner? I'm not even trying to lose weight. I'm just not hungry. Just not that hungry. Although a nice, well-done steak with a little bit of ketchup. You see, the president and I have a lot in common. He likes his steaks well done. I like my steaks well done. He likes ketchup. I like ketchup. See that? All right, I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. everybody, Mark Levin here. It's hour three. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I will get to the calls. Just hang in there. April Ryan. Is she a reporter? Is that what she is? I guess. She's in the White House press room with Sarah Sanders. That would be Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And they have a little back and forth. Hat tip, Washington Free Beacon about the NFL, because this is very, very important to the media. No, no, not the issue of the NFL. What's very, very important to the media is the propaganda that these athletes uh, are protesting social injustice, inequality, the cops, so forth, so on, so on, so forth. Let's hear it. Cut 11, go. On the taking of the issue... We're understanding that um, many uh, of the NFL players are still very upset uh, with this back and forth. I think so are many Americans, far okay. more Americans than our NFL players. Many NFL players are very upset. Um, many people had different ideas and opinions on this, but when the president weighed in 
the NFL said we're going to be united. There is an anticipation that it could grow even more so this weekend. What is the president anticipating? What should we expect him to say about this? It's now the NFL against the president. Uh, I think the president's made very clear uh, this shouldn't be about the NFL being against the president. This should be about our country coming together to support the flag, support the national anthem. There's nothing wrong with having pride in the United States. This president's been very clear on that, and he's certainly not going to back away okay, from it. Okay, so the, the NFL players, what we're hearing, it's not about not having pride. They're saying they're patriots. They love this country. So, see, this is a reporter who's really making a statement as a representative of the left, as a representative now of the players, as a representative of the NFL, and then she puts a question mark behind them, so you think it's a question. Go ahead. Challenging the system, and they're looking at history like... Not the- challenging the system, they are the system. Is this a joke? Those football players are the system. The owners are the system. The NFL is the system. What do you mean they're... They're standing up against the system. Is this a is it is this for real? They are the system. Go ahead. Uh, of the system when it came to women's rights issues as well as women's rights issues. Let's not go there, ma'am. Let's not go there. Of course, I don't blame all NFL players, but there've been some spectacular exceptions when it comes to women's rights issues. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen. But I don't look to athletes when I'm thinking about women's rights issues. And no offense, that would be college or professional athletes. Do you? And besides, Michelle Obama already told us, a woman is not a woman, in essence, unless she voted for Hillary Clinton. That's what basically Michelle Obama said. Go ahead. What does the president say when you look at history and see how people love this country but wanted to challenge the system to make it better? I think if we're going to look at history... Stop. So challenge the system to make it better. How does getting on a knee uh, when the flag is raised during the national anthem challenge the system, quote, to make it better? How does that make it better? With these weekend warriors, these weekend civil rights activists, the kneelers, the kneelers. And now we have Aaron Rodgers challenging the system. What a joke. Go ahead. Uh, thousands of Americans who have given their life to protect that flag, to protect that anthem. Not we thousands. Be- not thousands. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands. Go ahead. I gave you a chance to answer. I'm going to finish your statement. We should be looking at every way we can to celebrate our country, bring it together, not looking at ways to divide it. The president is simply talking about what we're for, not about what we're against. And certainly this administration will always be for protection and celebration of the flag and the national anthem, and that's not going to change. Sarah, wait a minute. To clarify, one second, just to clarify on that. I don't think there's much to clarify. Yes, I think it was pretty, this is a big pretty black and white there. People, people are very divided on this issue. It is a racial issue. This is the same so called reporter. Same reporter. So called. Go ahead. And the question is when the, the military issue is brought in, the military goes and fights for the freedoms of this nation. And the players are saying they are thankful for the military service to allow them to have the freedom. Stop. No, 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 no. This, this is a, uh, this keeps changing what the players are saying. First of all, they don't speak with a united voice. And in many, in many senses, it's absolutely 
incoherent. That's number one. Number two, let's remember how this started. It was an attack on the cops. It was an attack on the cops. Number three, the national anthem. Is that played in most schools? Not really, not often. Uh, let's see, is it, uh, wh- where is it played most of the time, and who plays it most of the time? The military. The flag that drapes the coffins. The men and women who come back from battle. Our police officers. Our 9-11 first responders. We know what the hell's going on here. This is an attack on the country. And what's happened is the left overstepped. So now they're taking little itsy-bitsy steps backwards. No, no, no. It's not about the military. We're not calling the cops pigs. You don't understand. It's about social justice. It's about social justice. And what the hell does that mean? Socialism? Radical egalitarianism? What does social justice mean? Groupthink? How come they're not taking a knee for liberty? And individualism. And enforcing the Constitution. And private property rights. It's always a protest on behalf of the left and for the left. As I said, what? At the beginning of the show? Notice if you take a knee because you want to pray. No, no, no. Brush that guy off the field. But if you take a knee for social justice... That's a whole other story. Go ahead. I mean, is there some kind of confusion here, or is it uh, a us versus them kind of scenario? It, it certainly shouldn't be. As I've said several times before, this isn't an us versus them. This would right, be that's something. That's enough. So you have the media now, the left-wing kook sports media and the left-wing kook uh, just uh, news media, all pushing the same mantra and the same argument. All pushing it. And the only resistance is the American people. The American people love this country because the American people created this country. What kind of people would trash their own country? Well, it's not perfect. It's not exactly what I want. And by the way, what does that mean, perfect? What would a social justice system look like? That's perfect. Everybody earns the same amount of money? What does it mean? Honestly, what does it mean? One more, then we'll get to uh, the callers. Tom Brokaw. Tom Brokaw. I used to call him Tom Brokaw. Tom Brokaw on Morning Joe. That's where all the malcontents and miscreants go. And when they want to dust off their careers and have something very, very important to say. Everybody wants to hear from Tom Brokaw. From Brokaw. Cut 12, go. Well, I think there are some people on the right who want to destroy the prevailing culture in this country. Let, let us let it, let us stop there. There's some people on the right who want to destroy the prevailing culture in country. Now, the left has spent 150 years trying to destroy the prevailing culture in this country. The founding principles, the Declaration, the Constitution, private property rights, individualism, individual freedom. Capitalism, family, faith. The left has been at war with the quote-unquote culture from day one. The left, the progressives, who embrace Hegel, 
who embrace Rousseau, who embrace Marx. Oh, yes, they do. It's the left who has destroyed this culture, or certainly far on the way of destroying this culture. Tom Brokaw, that's the right, right. No, no, no. And I don't know what he means by the right. What do you mean by the right? By the way, he sounds a lot like Mitch McConnell. It's constitutional conservatives who want to restore the republic. It's constitutional conservatives, not the Chuck Todds and the Tom Brokaws who understand Americanism. Natural law and the laws of nature. Unalienable rights and so forth and so on. Isn't it? Tom Brokaw doesn't understand it. Oh, Tom Brokaw. Go ahead. Well, I think there are some people on the right who want to destroy the prevailing culture in this country. I mean, that's the way that he ran, quite honestly. But at the same time... For oh, all- but that's not the way Bernie Sanders ran, ladies and gentlemen. They will never say similar things about Bernie Sanders. A dyed-in-the-wall commie. Who the hell spends their honeymoon in Moscow? Other than Russians themselves. Who the hell does that? Bernie does it. Bernie. Now, they'll never say these things about Bernie Sanders wanting to destroy the culture, because Bernie Sanders is a commie. So people on the right want to destroy the culture. People don't want to destroy the culture. We want to put this government back within the boundaries of the Constitution. That's what we want to do. If that means destroying the current culture, that is the system created by the left, the ideology spread by the left, when well, I guess they're right about that. Go ahead. This is that he made during the campaign. None of them are coming true. Uh, not one of them is coming true, to be grammatically correct. Uh, Why does he I, always sound like he's like about the, I, I don't know, what's he, like a mixture of indigestion and constipation. That's, that's what it sounds like to me. Go ahead. You know, when I go out and talk to people in the West and the Trump voters, uh, they say we're still with him. We think you know, he talks about like going to the zoo. You know, when I go out to the zoo and I talk to the Trump voters, they're in the lion cage over there. They still are big Trump guys over there. You know, when I when I go to the zoo and I meet these people, I talk to them. You know, out west, these Trump supporters. Go ahead. Talking about us. But then they'll say, well, I wish he'd just shut up for a while. They know that he's... They know you know, he, I meet a lot of people, Mr. Broco, who wishes you would shut up for a while. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Joe Gaithersburg, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go! Hello, go, Mark. Joe. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, my goodness. Can't believe we got you on the phone. So blessed. You have a great show. I, my premise of my call was that the fact that the, uh, like I, I told you, call screener, that the, uh, these liberals are lost their frick, their minds. They're going after, it's like the soccer teams back in, uh, you know, the, the, you know, with the fights. They want to see a fight in the stands. That's my point. They want to see Americans going after each other. Well, I'll tell you what I'm watching. I'm watching these football players arm in arm, and I'm watching the fans very unhappy with it. This Aaron Rodgers, I guess he thinks he's uh, uh, a uniting figure, and he's not at this point. And the fact of the matter is we have a color guard. We have the American flag. 
uh, fans were yelling USA, USA, and they were not linking arms. So thank you for your call. Appreciate it. Don, Portage, Michigan, the great WKZO. Go. Mark, I just wanted to thank you for a number of things tonight. The uh, flag, the support of Israel, and when you let off with the importance of the creator in the founding documents, and uh, that, that really strikes to me because I know that uh, schools for 50 years, public schools and private too, if they use those textbooks, have been emphasizing that there is no creator, and that's where uh, people lose their mind and become liberals. And, and the point is you're not teaching religion. You're teaching American history. And you let people make their own decisions, but they, they whitewash this. They, they scrub it. Thank and you it, for your call, sir. Uh, the vast majority of fans, they have flags, are putting their hands over their hearts. And some of the vets you can see are saluting during the national anthem. There is a huge disconnect. There just is. And I see a number of the players for the Chicago Bears, Mr. Producer, putting their hands over their hearts as uh, as the anthem is played. Look how controversial the left has made this. It's incredible. And, 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 and the mouthpieces for them actually want you to believe this is some kind of a uh, civil rights effort on social justice. It's pathetic. That's what it is. Let's go to Raphael, Los Angeles, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hi, Mark. Thank you very much for letting me talk. I yes, listen sir. to you every day. Thank I you. I want to know, this country is a great country. And these athletes are using this country and making millions of dollars. And they forget that all soldiers, in order to defend our country, defend national anthem, defend the flag, when they get shot, which I'm trying now, when they get shot, their blood is fell on the ground. At first they kneel down and then they fall down and they die for our country. Mm-hmm. These athletes, they should go to defend our country and die. Well, they, want, they, they are now pretending, and I say pretending. I don't, I'm not trying to be provocative. No, 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 we like the military. Really? How so? When you're told that what you're doing is offensive to many, many vets, to many active duty individuals, to many in the reserves, when you're told you're offending them, you still do it. So how are you supporting the military? Well, it's our uh, effort to show uh, social injustice. Right? Really? There's a million ways to show that, including actually doing something about what you think is unjust. And I don't just mean on, uh, you know, two days a week. If that's what you really... I, I have to tell you, if I believed there was this enormous social injustice going on in this country, I would do something about it, or I'd try to do something about it, whether it's behind this microphone or out on the streets. But I don't consider America to be a uh, force for social injustice. Is it imperfect? Yes. Do you know any place that isn't? Do you know any human who isn't? But as I say, and I'll say again, imperfect is one thing, but we are a great nation that has done great things. And you can focus on that, or you can focus on the other. Thank you for your call. And the American people are tired of being put down. And we're tired of our fathers and grandfathers, our mothers and our grandmothers being put down. Do you know the vast majority of people in this country today were not in this country during the slave period? They were not. White, black, brown, yellow, red, whatever. Ah, Apparently that doesn't matter. 
Let's go to Nicholas, Columbus, Ohio, 14 years old, Sirius Satellite. Go ahead. Hi, how are you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. We don't have a lot of time. Go for it. Okay. So I'm 14 years old. I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and I honestly, I cannot stand these people kneeling and sitting down for the national anthem. It really, it really just steams me off. I've, I've been speaking about it to uh, friends from public school, or you want to call them friends, um, and they've been responding with the craziest things from that. It's showing respect for the blacks, and I just really do not understand this. It really I'm steams not, I'm me not off. Calling that. Respect for the blacks. Yeah. All right, I don't know what that means. All right, my friend, the music means we got to roll. We'll be right back. More logic than allowed by law. The Mark Levin Show. Call now at 877-381-3811. You know, it's such a joke. The social, social justice kneelers, a.k.a. the kneelers. So they hold their arms during the uh, national anthem, and then they go play football. So I guess they feel like they've really done one for the cause. It's so preposterous. It's so stupid. They, they really are, you know, they're showing what they really stand for. So they stand there during the national anthem. They disrespect it by holding arms rather than putting their hand on their heart. Uh, but they want to show love. Or is it peace? Or is it they support social justice? So our social justice kneelers, they, they hold arms. So I guess they're now social justice arm holders. They can't even decide what exactly they want to do. And they're trying to adjust it to accommodate the public's you know, outrage to try and figure out how to address it. And now they're out playing football. So they go home tonight, after their game, to their mansions, to their estates, whatever it is, and they're going to say to themselves, well, I did my part for social justice. No, no, Mark, you don't understand. Some of these guys really do. When? When, on Mondays? Really? You know, maybe you've uh, already taken the Hillsdale College free online introduction to the Constitution course. I want to recommend this to Chuck Todd, by the way. Now, if not, then why not? Sign up right now while you still can at levinforhillsdale.com. That's levinforhillsdale.com. Now, if you didn't care about preserving the Constitution, then you wouldn't be listening to this show, right? Let's care enough to learn how the Constitution affects us, each of us, and our families. And now when you sign up to take the free course, even if you've taken it before, you can also download a free course guide that includes discussion questions. Use the guide for a small group or book club, church group, even with your family. Each engaging video course, while the lesson is 15 minutes or less. Finally, an interesting and easy way to learn about the Constitution and our rights. It's all at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Now, the course and the study guide are free. They're offered as part of Hillsdale's mission to prepare Americans to defend liberty. And once you're registered, you have access to and can watch the lessons anytime you want. Pursue truth, defend liberty with Hillsdale College. Now, this offer ends September 30th. I believe today's the 28th, so it ends this Saturday. Sign up while you still can at levinforhillsdale.com. Now, just so I don't forget, tomorrow... When the sun goes down, begins Yom Kippur. 
It's a holy holiday for people of the Jewish faith. So I will not be here Friday. Dan Bongino, he will be here. And he's a great friend, and he will do a great job as always. All right, let's go. Carson, Columbus, Ohio, the great WTVN. Go. Hey, Mark, I've been trying to get a hold of you for years. It's been this Well, we just did it. I know, finally. Yeah, no, so I just retired from the military, and, you know, it, 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 it's a strange creation right now, what the NFL and Trump themselves are doing to the kids of this country. Um, I'm white, my kid's white, and all his friends are black. First of all, can you prove you're white, sir? You want me to send you a picture? I will. Well, you're the one who mentioned, can you prove it to the radio audience? You said you're white. I can't prove that you're white. Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I know that, too. Uh, but, no, it, it, it's insane because it, my kid's been playing with his friends for over a year without, a, without any complication whatsoever. But over this mm-hmm. past week, the, these children, they're 8, and, eight to 10, 12 years old, and mm-hmm. we run into the issue of, well, what's going on right now? They don't understand racism because they never cared. Well, that, that, that we are never going to be. I'm, I'm convinced of it now, unfortunately. We're never going to be a colorblind society. Because there are individuals in public positions, in, in uh, whether, whether it's uh, media or sports or whatever it is, who do not want us to get along. They do not want us to be the United States. And so we know that uh, when it comes to race that this is not a perfect place. I know when it comes to race no place is a perfect place. Whether you look in largely white societies, largely black societies, largely brown societies, and on and on and on. We know it exists. But to constantly try to destroy a society, uh, that's a whole different story. That's a whole different matter as far as I'm concerned. And I am convinced now that we will never be a colorblind society, not for the reasons the progressives say, but because in many respects people will not tolerate a colorblind society. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Oh, no, I completely understand. And, and the whole thing with the NFL and them taking a knee, let them do what they want. They're free to do whatever. What next, do. my friend? Professional bowlers? Will they be taking a knee? Thank you for your call. Yes, you never know. You never know. What next? Let's go to Scott. By, by the way, let's stop a second. You realize I've intentionally discussed, what, seven or eight different issues, to all of which are important. And I want the NFL to understand, and the owners and the players and the league people, you need to understand. My phone board is full every day with people who are disgusted with what's going on of every race how do you know Mark because people announce their race many of them when they call let us go to Scott Corona California on the Mark Levin app go Mark thank you so much I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today and uh, I'm going to disagree with a caller that called in a little bit earlier said you should have been born in a different time. Quite honestly, you're right where you belong. And as oh, a teacher, as an attorney, we need leaders like you to speak out and educate a lot of people that are uneducated. Um, I'm calling this evening about the NFL and the players' protests and the owners um, basically supporting that. And as a consumer, I've, I've turned away. And it's burned, it, it, it burns very deep as an American because I think there's nothing more American, not baseball anymore, than professional football and mm-hmm. the aggression and I would have thought before this happened 
um, I grew up playing football, high school, youth football, college football. I now coach youth football. And um, there's nothing other than the military than when you play football where the color barrier goes away, Mark. Mm-hmm. And I think we're, I'm very passionate about teaching the sport, not just for the sport, but how it's, it's so much more. And I feel that there's a concerted effort, and I think it's by the left, and I think it's by the same people that will not allow us to racially not look at color to destroy what is American. And what's frustrating to me coaching youth, they don't even know why there's kneeling. And what. And quite honestly, I don't care anymore because they're so disrespectful to the flag, the soldiers that have died and bled for it, law enforcement that gives their lives every day, that I feel I have to explain to 11- and 12-year-olds when we play the national anthem how it is unacceptable to take a knee. But I will tell you, it's provided me an opportunity to talk to them about what it is to be an American. And um, thankfully, I've listened to you for a number of years, and I've read a few of your books. I can share with them about individual liberty and individual responsibility to 11- and 12-year-olds that they aren't going to get that from school, and they're not going to get it from the media. And um, all I'm saying is we need to have a dialogue and not allow the left to dictate what's spoken about. Mm-hmm. And as Americans and as conservative and God-loving and flag-loving Americans, that we we don't go into the shadows, that we actually lead by calling them out and saying that they're wrong and saying that we're not going to accept it the way that it is. Well, and Scott, talk- you, you, you're extremely articulate, and I know you're going to have an impact. And uh, when Tom Brokaw says the people on the right are trying to destroy the culture, he has it all wrong. We're trying to restore the culture. Thank you for your call, my friend. I much appreciate it. Let us go to Bobby, Little Rock, Arkansas, K-A-R-N, our great affiliate there. Go right ahead. Yes, sir. Thank you very so much for answering my phone call tonight. Where are yes, you sir. located at? I am in a bunker in Virginia. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm calling you from Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm a yes. 22-year retired military E8 First Sergeant. God bless you. You sound pretty tough. I don't know if I would have wanted to serve under you. You might have been very rough. So my question is, I watch a lot of football. I really do. I used to watch a lot of NFL, but with everything that's going on in my life, I don't have a lot of time to watch NFL. But I well, I just shut it off. I wanted to see what would happen at the beginning, so it's all. I'm really, I'm really big into the college football thing, and when they leave mm-hmm. college football. They get drafted to go into the NFL. Mm-hmm. Okay? They get paid a lot of money. I understand that. I'm a construction worker. I run heavy equipment. So mm-hmm. my thing is, with me being a 22-year veteran of the military, how many of these young children that drafted out of college go right into the NFL that have never, ever, ever, ever have served well, in the most military? Of them. As a matter of fact, but most Americans haven't. But yet, we've had family members who do or have, and even if we don't, we know how good we have it in this country, and we know that we stand on the shoulders of the men and women who fight and serve in this country. We haven't done it. I haven't done it. So at least show them respect. And if they're telling us, you're telling us, that when there's some form of protest, during the national anthem, rather than putting your hand over your heart or showing some other form of respect, 
that that is degrading. And to say, well, that's not what the uh, players mean, but that's how it's received by tens of millions of Americans, including most men and women in the military and most vets. And they don't give a damn. And they're trying to find a way out. And they can't because they, they, they are stubborn. It's groupthink. And the leftists have taken control of this situation, as I've been saying since last week. Thank you for your service, my friend. We'll be right back. Lovin. Brian Gumble at HBO. I never liked this guy. He's a big-time lib. I'm looking at the Breitbart headline. Thanks for energizing the social conscience of modern American athletes. Why would somebody with a social conscience need Donald Trump to energize their social conscience? Do you understand what I mean, folks? If you have a social conscience and you're a multimillionaire and you're a famous football player, why would you need Donald Trump or any president to energize your social conscience? It's a conscience. You either have a conscience or you don't have a conscience. So you see, we have no idea now why they're holding arms other than they're, they're uh, put, poking their fingers in our eyes. Uh, if you were to ask one athlete after another, not hearing one after another, you'd get different answers. And so the lib media, particularly the lib sports media, because there's a zillion libs in that media, they're projecting their own political social conscience on top of the athletes. Let me tell you, I've come to the conclusion the athletes are being used. Some of them wittingly, but some of them unwittingly. We're united. United for what? United for what? You know, I love my Camaro. Got the Camaro the first year it came out. But it's reached that age where things are starting to go wrong. I'm talking about the new model like in 2010. I don't worry about those problems anymore, though, because I've got extended vehicle service protection from CarShield. Getting covered by CarShield, that's a great idea. It's affordable protection that can save you thousands for a covered repair. Now, a new fuel pump can cost over $500. Replacing a water pump, over $1,000. CarShield even has plans that cover your car's computer, GPS, electronics, and more. Car Shield's the ultimate, ultimate in extended vehicle coverage, and they get your favorite mechanic or dealership paid directly. No check in the mail to you and you're reimbursed. No, they pay directly. Sign up right now and get 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is in the shop. Save yourself from high repair uh, bills. Get covered by Car Shield, like I did, before something goes wrong. Call 800-CAR-6100. And mention code LEVIN, code LEVIN, or visit carshield.com and use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, to save to 10%. That's carshield.com, code LEVIN, a deductible may apply. You know, with carshield, with insurance of any other kind other than, I guess, health care insurance, there are no pre-existing conditions. You need to get your insurance now to protect yourself should something go wrong. And you won't do any better than CarShield. They are absolutely the best. So get the extended vehicle coverage from CarShield. CarShield. 800-CAR-6100. 800-CAR-6100. Mention Levin. 
Mention Levin, and you'll get 10% off. All right. Let's go. Let's continue. Let's see. Bill, Cape Coral, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. Go right ahead. Hello? Brian, uh, he, uh, he said he served in the military. Bill, go ahead, please. We're running out of time. Okay, Mark, I, I am beside myself. Yes, I served in the military. I joined in 1979 right out of high school because of the hostage situation. I have been a lifelong conservative. I am beside myself with you and Rush and Sean perpetuating the myth that these kneelers are doing it because they hate their country, hate the flag, hate the military. I cannot find one quote from any of these. I don't remember saying they hate the country, hate the... What I said is they're disrespect... Let me ask you a question. Do you know many people, any vets? I'm sorry? You served in the military. Do you know many vets? You served in the military. All of my friends are veterans. Really? And your friends have lined up behind the athletes, right? That's beside the point. No, it's not beside the point. It's not beside the point at all. You're one out of a hundred. Maybe you're one out of a thousand. My father's a vet, too, and he served in World War II, and he's disgusted by all this. And you know what he said to me, sir? He said, anybody who would use the occasion of the national anthem and the raising of the American flag to protest, that's un-American. Now, do you think my father's un-American? The fucking national Get him off the air. This guy's a fraud. Did you believe that? Okay, well, you need to tell me. All right, he went right to the F word more than once. This guy's a fraud. Like I thought he was. Absolute fraud. It's a funny way to show that you love the country, though. I'm sick of the left and how they twist things. If you attack the country, you must love the country. And then Brokaw says, the people on the right are trying to change the culture. Okay, let's play along. Well, then they must love the country. See, the left defines the terms, they use the language, doesn't matter if they're hypocrites, doesn't matter if they contradict each other. And I smelled this fraud from a mile away. And you should have heard his mouth. We got it all, right, Rich? You should have heard this guy. Right into the gutter. <clears throat> Absolute fraud. Okay. Steve, Northvale, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go ahead. Mark, thank you for having me on your show. You bet. Uh, as a, a relatively young uh, conservative here in a, uh, in a relatively blue state, I've seen a lot of what uh, I see it constantly with the younger generation. A lot of what's brought us together as Americans in the past, we're now losing. We're, we're fighting over these traditions, and I, I'm wondering how does this look to others, other countries, other uh, you know, other adversaries in the world that that kind of see this as a weakness? How do we uh, how do we fend them off while we can't even agree to you know singing our national? Well, anthem? we can't fend them off. I'm assuming your comments rhetorical, but. I don't know how we fend them off. <clears throat> I mean, they're going to get an impression. Uh, but the impression they should get is the, the NFL is filled with multimillionaire players and billionaire owners who are committing uh, professional and economic suicide. Now, unless they change course and that the American people love their country, they love their anthem, and they love their flag. That's the message they ought to get. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. We don't kneel. We stand tall with those folks. I'll see you next week. Happy Yom Kippur. Blessed Yom Kippur. I'll be back.